from New York City. A podcast from working actors, directors, and playwrights. This is the Cry Havoc Company. Hello, and welcome to the Cry Havoc Podcast. Today around the table we have... Jen Reichert, I'm a writer. Tim Davis, I'm an actor and a writer. Jenny Curlin, I'm an actor. And Kit Lavoie, I am a director and a writer. Uh, today we're talking about the topic of feedback. Getting feedback, hearing feedback, processing feedback, and using feedback in your work. Acting and writing and directing is one of those rare fields where people feel very free to give you feedback and give you their thoughts on your work. There aren't a lot of places where someone is going to walk in and see an engineer designing a bridge and give them their, their feedback on where they think the strut should go or say, I don't even know what would go on a bridge, so it's good that I'm not giving anyone feedback. But people tend to seem pretty f- uh, free to give feedback to actors when they go see someone in a show, uh, when they read a play that somebody wrote. Um, That said, that feedback can be incredibly useful. Um, And actually a big part of the collaborative art of theater is being able to navigate and work with and take advantage of some of the fundamental relationships, like the director-actor relationship, that is really all about the trading of feedback back and forth and, and using it. But today what we're talking about is how you process and use or choose not to use feedback from people whom you're not obligated to take feedback from. People like friends or colleagues who see your work, critics, uh, audience members, teachers uh, or fellow students in a class that you have voluntarily taken, members of groups, uh, writers groups or actors groups that you might be uh, part of. And again, in many cases, the feedback that these people can give can be very useful. In other cases, it can be destructive, and in a lot of cases, it depends a lot on the way that you handle the feedback um, and how you process it into your work that will determine whether it's helpful or whether it's destructive. So a lot of really what we're talking about today, and again, we're not going to touch on the feedback, say, that a director gives an actor or a producer gives to a playwright um, of a play that they're producing. But really what we're talking about is how do you let people into your work in a healthy way and also keep them out of your work in a healthy way when that's what's important. So to start off, let's talk about the times where you actually actively are seeking feedback from other people on your work who, again, are not not people who necessarily you normally would. What situations would you guys seek out feedback from people on your work as again as an actor or a writer or a director I find it most useful to get feedback and and ask for feedback when I'm going over something for an audition when I either have a monologue or sides that I've been given and I really want to I'm I'm doing it in a, a short amount of time so I may have less time to to do my usual work on it or even to be able to do it in front of people out loud, you know, where they, where you can get feedback and and actually even feedback from people that do a lot of auditions for TV or film who might have specific advice and kind of technical advice for those specific situations. 
And actually, even bouncing further off that, there are times where, for instance, you may be going in for a audition with a casting director whom you know someone specific who has gone in for that person Absolutely. a lot before, and you might, you know, seek out their specialized, especially seek out their feedback because, again, they would have a certain level of, of special insight for you. Yeah. For me, when, when I seek feedback is when the person I'm asking is actually in a position to help me. And usually what that means is that they have either are, uh, have been in the position that I'm going to be or, or are, actually seeing, are actually seeing my work. Usually if, if, if I'm uh, in rehearsal for something or working on something uh, and, and the person I am seeking feedback from has seen it, I feel like I'm in a position to say, I'm lost here, can you help me? Or I'm working on this, are you seeing that? Or even simply, what are you seeing while I'm doing this work? Or as, as Jenny brings up, uh, you know, the audition, you know, so many other actors have been through that and may have more experience in that and insight in that to, to help sort of um, guide you in terms of anticipating what, what you, may, uh, you may face and how to deal with those particular obstacles or challenges or opportunities. But for, for me... Uh, it's it's it sounds so obvious, but it's 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 fundamentally important that the person I'm asking is in an actual position to help me. Um, I've had people ask me for feedback when they're working on something. In, in a uh, one particular case, a friend of mine was working on a film, and he was staying with me. He would come home every day and ask me, and I had to say, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not there. <laughs> I'm not seeing what's actually going on. I'm not your director. I wanted to be sensitive to that director-actor relationship. So I, I wasn't in a position to give him feedback. So that's something that's important to me is that the other actor or, or colleague or whatever is, is in a position to actually help me. There's a, like two, two main situations where I, I, I ask for feedback. One is just like writers groups or uh, classes or workshop groups where I'm developing a play and it's I have... I have a draft and I'm ready to try it out and it you know it it's 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 very it's it's very helpful to have it read aloud and then to to discuss specific um, things that I'm looking for in that regard so that is like a, an intensive section of feedback on a on a play that I'm working on the other would be if I'm submitting something, it's kind of similar to an audition where it's there's a deadline and, and so I might give it to a friend or a colleague who I, I just want to know what they think. Like if there's something that I could change immediately before I, before I send it in, it's more of a, like the quick work. Like should I keep this? Should I cut this? Is, do you find this interesting? Is this the kind of piece that they're looking for? Um, so it even might even be like read these two and tell me which you think I should do, you know, that kind of thing. Or, you know, yeah, meeting, meeting the expectations of whatever I'm submitting for. And as a director, because uh, actually I think those hit pretty well in the places where as an actor or as a um, writer you would seek feedback. Um, but I know actually other directors do this more than I do, although I do it too, which is as you're getting close to production, to bring a trusted colleague into uh, an, a rehearsal and ask them, to watch it and, and just basically, you know, have specific questions for them, ask what their response to the piece is. And, you know, that idea of 
you know, being able to get a read off of someone of how your work, how a production is reading to people who are not on the inside, um, you know, can be a really useful thing. And I actually know that uh, Jenny actually is my um, uh, associate on almost everything that I do. And I think actually a big part of that is that we, we have a long working relationship and that I count on her in a very big way, um, you know, to be able to say, you know, I was working with this actor and this is what I was going for. Did it read or did it not? Because again, I trust her sensibility. I trust her sensitivity to what's going on. Um, and and I do think it's it's important because ultimately, I mean, a lot of what we have talked about in our previous podcast, and I certainly believe it, is that, the, you know, what you want to do for an audience is bring yourself and bring your work and let them come and experience it and that not to be beholden to an audience. That said, theater and film is ultimately being produced to be shown to an audience. So to have a stand-in for an audience that you trust to see if the thing that you are trying to convey is in fact being conveyed, uh, you know, can, can be really useful. You, you both bring up, Jenna and Kate, you both bring up something that's really, uh, I think, sort of crucial for me, which is, as an actor, I've often made the joke that uh, when working with a director, unless... I'm fine with being left alone unless I'm really struggling with something or unless, and the joke I've been is unless I'm really messing up your project. <laughs> and what the former, the struggle uh, indicates is that I have a specific idea I'm working on. I'm aware of that's what I'm working on. And if I come to you and say, I need feedback on this because this is what I'm working with and I need to know how this is playing or what you're getting from that, that's a very specific type of feedback. The secondary feedback, I think, is it, I just thought of this in terms of bringing it to a writer's group fresh or bringing in um, someone uh, as another eye if, if you're a director, is the other part of feedback that can be crucial but is also sort of the most sensitive part is relying on someone to give you feedback on the thing you may be missing. You know, the, the thing that... Uh, uh, you're not saying you're specifically working on or the thing you're not necessarily um, uh, addressing. But sometimes it's valuable for, for someone to let you know, you know what, there's this huge thing you're just not dealing with or you're just not seeing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I say it's the crucial thing because it may be every artist at some point you do get blind spots and it really is helpful to have somebody point those out. It, it's also going to be very sensitive because if it's, it's something that you're not specifically dealing with or are uninterested in dealing with. You have to find a, uh, 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 a way, a healthy way for both you and for the person giving you the feedback to, to I don't want to say dismiss that, but to, to, to allow that to have its, its uh, minimized importance in what it is you're working on. And uh, another place, actually, that uh, people ask uh, ask for feedback from, and it's on my mind because, actually, we are going to be doing it on Monday. Jen, we're doing a reading of a few of your plays that you're in, um, in, in the process of finishing, but they're public readings for an audience. And there are times where you do a reading of a new play and open the floor to a talkback uh, for feedback from an audience. And, and that actually can be an especially... Uh, a tricky situation because you are very clearly asking for feedback, but from people who are not necessarily, as a matter of fact, 
the reason you're asking them is because they are not expert at dramaturgy, say, but what they are expert at is what their experience of it is. And um, so why don't we actually move, move into the, the next question, that if those are the times and circumstances um, where you would ask for feedback, how do you ask? When you're asking someone to comment on your work, uh, how do you ask them? Well, I find that it, I usually get the, the, the best feedback when I can define the questions that I have about it to the person I'm asking. I mean, certain, certain situations, they're, they're set up for you to get feedback, like a class or a, a, you know, a writer's group or a workshop group. It, 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 in that case, there is sort of a defined mechanism for feedback, and, and each group actually has their own rules of feedback that you, you, know, you need to follow in every situation, but you know, what they define as the rules. But if it's just, if it's somebody that I'm asking, like an individual, I would, I would usually just say, like, this is, here's, here's my play, this is what I'm confused about, um, can you keep an eye out for this or that, and let me know what you think about that. Or, if I want it as a sort of a fresh eye, I, I may not, I may not set it up in that case, where I just say, read it, and then we'll get together, and and I'll ask you the question so that I'll, I'll ask them after they've read. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of how I do it. And I think it can be, especially with writing, although I suppose it also functions for the other things too, unless you're leading off with specific questions, actually I think I'll change that around, I think you should always lead off with a specific question. But not necessarily because you have this list of things that you want addressed. I mean, that can be very useful. But I think that it's really useful if you are not going to start off by asking someone, um, you know, in scene four, I'm concerned that the relationship between the husband and wife is not clear. Is that clear to you? I mean, that certainly would be a very helpful thing to ask if that's what you're struggling with. But... If you're not going to start off with those sorts of things and want a broader um, sense of, of their feedback before you start leading them down a road, I think it's really helpful, rather than just saying, so what do you think, to ask them, what was your experience of it? What was your experience of reading it? What was your experience of watching it? Whatever the thing was. Because, if peop- because it gets very easy for people to start getting into giving you solutions Right. Um, to things that either A, you may not think is a problem, or B, you would view very differently if you understood that they understood it to be a play about something totally different than you thought it was a play about. So they could be giving you feedback on how to make, if you were writing this play, how to, you know, since they took the relationship between the father and son to be the central relationship, they'll start giving you all sorts of advice about how to... Um, about how to uh, make the father and son relationship more clear when you're really interested in the father and the mother. But if they, if you ask them first, what was your experience of it, and they start talking about, well, it's a story about a father and a son, you can actually then, A, that's very good information to know. Yeah. Um, very helpful that this is the way it's reading. But B, then you can direct specific questions at them about, well, actually... I was hoping that it would be that to tell the story of the father and the mother. What was it that made you focus on the relationship between the father and the son? What things 
you know, could could help make the the relationship with the mother more interesting. Um, but I just think it's it's very helpful, and if you're not going to start with specific questions to ask them about their experience you can get a baseline of what they're talking about because it's very possible if you don't do that you can spend an hour sitting down over coffee with someone talking about two entirely different plays yeah i feel like for uh getting feedback for acting work i like to kind of specify a what i was working on and 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 where where i am with it where I am with the piece, and especially in the case, I'm going to go back to the auditions, of when the audition is, too. Because I feel like there's a difference between someone who has an audition next week and they really have time to work on it before that audition, and a person who has an audition the next morning, where really the primary thing is letting them leave feeling really good about what they've done. Giving them suggestions, but framing it in such a way that they're leaving the, the workshop or whatever they're, they're leaving feeling good and positive and prepared for, for the audition. I think that's really important. Yeah. I, I think one of actually the very central activities of our company is our Monday night workshop group where we get together for four hours and the community of the company and people bring in writing work that they're working on, new plays they're writing, people bring in audition material they're working on, monologues they're working on, people do scene work. I mean, it's pretty very open um, but essentially, actually, what that is, is it's an opportunity to get feedback from people who hopefully you trust. Um, it actually is something that is very much focused on um, the person who's bringing in the work. You know, there are later phases where if a play that's being developed at the company, you know, is moving towards being produced by the company, then there are things where it's where there are certain people... Uh, like the artistic director or like the literary manager of the company who their feedback does not become uh, quite as optional as, uh, as it is um, in workshop. But in the workshop, it is about that. And one of the things that we... or The one thing that we always do when someone finishes showing what they... Either we finish reading or someone finishes doing the scene they're doing is that whoever's moderating asks them, what is it that you're looking for? And I think that that's just a very important thing about helpful feedback, again, is to be able to be specific with people about what you want. I mean, I certainly am often given plays or go to see someone in the show and they say, so what do you think? So what do you think of this play? And it's really hard. It's really hard to give feedback in that regard. And I I think it actually is incredibly helpful when you actually pen people in a little bit. But to say, this is what I was working on today. Tell me about what you saw there. Tell me about uh, tell t- tell me about how that worked, because it gives a context for their thing, which do a f- does a few things. Which is one, um, obviously, it helps keep the feedback that they're going to give you on the topic that you are working on, which is good in its own right. But also, it really gives them permission to give feedback, because. A lot of times people say, so what do you think? And you wonder if, if they really want to know. But when they are giving you something or some things that are specific, it makes the person giving the feedback feel like this is actually uh, information that will be valuable to them and that they are seeking out. And it also, I find, leads to better feedback because it makes formulating your thoughts for the person giving the feedback 
a much more active process than it is otherwise. Because it's not simply, these are my raw thoughts, but these are thoughts that I am actively filtering through the question that you have asked. And I think also something that, that, that it does help with what you mentioned before, Tim, about the big empty, you know, the, the, the feedback that, um, about the thing you don't think to ask. It can help to bring that in relief. There are some cases where, um, you know, where, you know, if it's a class where someone is bringing in a scene and is working on a very, we talked in our last podcast about goals that people set, have a very specific goal, then you leave it alone. But if someone has brought you a play and they're like, I'm going to submit this tomorrow to this theater and these are the two things I'm interested in your feedback on, it allows the person to give you feedback on those things, but also to say, I know you didn't ask for this, but there's something else I have to say. Do you want to hear it? Yes. Okay, this total section of the play made no sense to me. <laughs> and since you're planning to hand it in tomorrow and you didn't ask me about it, it makes you think makes me think that perhaps you don't realize that. Well, by contextualizing the, the feedback, which I think is so vital, it, it leads to a healthy conversation, even as an actor, because uh, for me, I, I'm always trying, we've discussed this in previous podcasts, I'm always trying to work on something very specific in rehearsal. And if I've set up for the feedback, these are the things specifically I'm working on and would like feedback on them. Again, if there's something that I'm missing that uh, I haven't acknowledged as something I'm working on, at that point, someone who's giving me feedback can A, evaluate if they have something that they really were, is on their mind that seems obvious to them that is outside of the bounds of what I asked for feedback on, they can evaluate whether it's really necessary to bring up that thing that's outside of the bounds that I'm talking about um, and introduce that in a discussion. B, it's healthy because it can, you can acknowledge, listen, this is outside of the bounds you've set up. So I'm acknowledging that you did not work on this in, in, in whatever particular uh, manner in which you said you set out to work on it. So th- the conversation remained healthy in that point, in that it's not a value judgment, in that you failed um, uh, to address this particular aspect because we've already acknowledged you're not working with that particular aspect. Mm-hmm. And still allowing them to, uh, to introduce an element that the person working can then evaluate whether that's something that they want to move on to. You know, if you come, if I come in rehearsal and said I was working on A, B, and C, and someone says, "Listen, I know you're working on A, B, and C. Here's my feedback on that. You said you didn't say you were working on D. I really think you should take a look at working on D now. That's a much healthier place. Mm-hmm. And as me as an artist, I'm really inspired to go work on D. Yeah. Whereas if you, if I say I'm working on A, B, and C, and someone says you didn't deal with D at all." <laughs> that, that gets you in a healthy place cause, because as an artist you're going to get defensive and say well I wasn't addressing D I wasn't working on D and it's unfair to evaluate me on D mm-hmm. when I, I already said I'm working on A, B, and C so I, I really like your word contextualizing because not only does that set up the framework of the discussion of, of what the artist is saying they're working on but for the person giving feedback if they want to leave that framework there's an acknowledgement that that's what they're doing. So the conversation and, and the feedback and the discussion, uh, however that's framed, can remain healthy and productive. And it also is something that I also think people can use once they're in production. Because that's the thing. Once you're in production, it is a gift when you're in a situation where you have previews. Which actually is all about being able to get feedback both 
you know, actual people saying words and also feeling the way an audience responds to things and have time to change it. But once you are past previews, the show is supposed to be frozen. And yet, that is the time at which by far the most people will come and count, come, will encounter it. I mean, you're working on a show, there are 15, 20, 30, 40 people maybe working on it, depending on the size of the production. Twice that many people come and see it opening night, even in a small theater. And then you run however long you run. And that's the point at which your grandmother comes and your acting teacher comes and your uh, acting, your manager, all these people come and will have feedback that they want to give you. Um, And actually, we can talk about what to do about that in in a minute, but I I think that the idea of contextual, uh, of of being able to talk specifically about feedback in a situation where you know people are going to want to give it, that you can set yourself up with, I'm going to come out, I'm going to see people, and rather than saying, so what did you think? You can give them something specific that either A, would be helpful to you to hear about, or B, at the very least, will keep them away from the destructive things for you to hear about. Um, Because people are going to want to talk about it. And if you're able to say, so how did it go? I know I worked really hard on on scene three, you know, when I come in and give them the mug. Did you believe that I I wanted to give them the mug? I mean, people will then be able to talk around that all they want. And that may be something that you feel like is something you can continue to work on. But what you don't want in that situation and as difficult as when someone comes is, you know, I just didn't believe your relationship with Fiona in the play. Well, what are you supposed to do about that at that point? Uh, (laughs) 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 The time for that is gone. Yeah. So if that's who and how um, you ask for feedback, um, we also can imagine that there are times such as people who come see you during a run of a show, um, Reviews of your shows, if you choose to read them, etc., etc., where there are people who you have not actively solicited feedback from, but they will give it to you. So when you are getting feedback, uh, how do you, and first something actually that you alluded to a little bit earlier, Tim, how do you um, evaluate, or is it important to you to evaluate the credibility of um, the feedback that you're getting in the person who's giving it to you? Uh, it- it's certainly important to me to to evaluate the, the credibility only as a measure of of uh, being productive as an artist and protecting myself a little bit so that I I can be productive um, and also uh, if if I deem the feedback uh, or the source of the feedback to be credible so I, I can honor that feedback and hopefully become a better artist that way for for me. My principal evaluating point for feedback, um, for me, the point of criticism is to help the artist who is working. There is no other point of of of, of criticism, um, and that that's my jumping off point for whenever anybody offers feedback, whether solicited or unsolicited. Um, and so, to protect myself, if I feel the the, the feedback is coming from any other place than that. Um, I, I can still listen to it. I'm fairly open and, and sort of liquid about receiving that, but uh, there's a sort of quiet part of me that can uh, uh, not resign myself, but in comfort is not the right word either, but there's something in me that can at least acknowledge that, well, this person has a different agenda than I do, 
um, in, in offering this feedback and um, if it's something nice I can accept it as something nice and move on and if it's something that's uh, uh, unflattering or, or frustrating or uh, or, or what not I, I can acknowledge it as that and, and move on um, I the, the the helping the artist is is what's most fundamental for me um, you might this sounds so silly, but it, it's why he's one of my favorite critics. When There should be a joy to offering feedback. There should be a joy to being able to participate in the art. One of my favorite critics actually is Roger Ebert because mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've read reviews of his, and, and I think because he has had a television show and things like that, the, the quality of his criticism, I think, is has been dismissed. But there's a genuine joy yeah. where I've read his work where he, he's offering suggestions on how to improve the work, the film that, you know, or, or how they could have made it better. And someone who's a genuine fan of, their, of the, uh, the, the art and the media in which they are criticizing, to have that sort of, sort of joy, I, I think it, it's very easy. There's sort of this this insinuation that if you are negative in your criticism, you are somehow superior to the work that you are, are, are evaluating. And that if you are complimentary, you are somehow deferential mm-hmm. to the work you're, you're, you're complimenting. And w- what I love about somebody like Roger Ebert or, or a trusted source, you know, we have several acting teachers or coaches or directors or colleagues that whose feedback I trust not only because they're really smart and really intuitive, but because there's a genuine joy mm-hmm. in wanting to be a part of the art, and it's it's not an opportunity for them to judge. It's an opportunity for them to share and help, and and to me that's vital. I think there's a degree to which if if a person can't identify anything that worked, you probably ought not to trust them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very important to me to evaluate the credibility of the people giving the feedback because because there is there will be so much feedback and conflicting feedback that you have to be able to pick out um, what you should trust and what you shouldn't and, so, and so learning how to evaluate a person's credibility is one of the first steps in learning how to take feedback because if someone's giving you bad advice that's you know. That, that, that's going to derail you. So I know when I'm in a, in a writer's group or workshop group and I'm taking notes, some, you know, it's just, you know, people are firing things off. I always write down who's saying it as I'm taking the notes. So when I come back to it later, if it, you know, after you've been at these things for a while, you know that so-and-so has a bias towards like this theme, like mm-hmm. they, they love this theme. They're always going to find this theme in your play <laughs> and think you should play it up. And so you can take that with the grain of salt, knowing that this person likes that kind of thing, and that's why they focused on that. If everybody in the room was focused on that, that says something different. And and, and there are some groups where if everyone was focused on one thing and only one person was focused on this other thing, but that's the person who right. you trust the most. Right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's the truth. There are people who I... People whose opinions matter more to me. There's people whose opinions matter more, period. And me learning to judge that is part of my development as, as a collaborative artist. But people who present themselves as experts mm-hmm. and are not, 
those are people I tend to discount. Like if you come in and you present yourself at, like you say, if you're talking about the better version that you could have written, some people could have written a better version. And those are the people I listen to. The people who I don't really think that they have a better, I mean, it's, it's my opinion, but you know, I judge based on their, I judge based on their work and based on their feedback in the past and whether it has served me or not. You, you said so many things there that are interesting. <laughs> um, uh, one for me, I, I just find it so interesting that the people who are, whom I would consider experts tend to offer their 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 feedback with an element of humility and yes. and again sharing. Yes, and with, you know, couching. Yes, and, the, <laughs> and and those people who vice versa. That unfortunately, those people who uh, may regard themselves as experts as experts um, um, often demonstrate themselves to not be so. But I think the motive of the, of the person giving the feedback I think is so important to me because it allows me as the artist to also focus and conserve and utilize my energy as, as it needs to be. I would much rather spend my time really listening and absorbing and discussing with uh, a person who is offering something of real substance, who has a genuine interest in helping me or helping work in general, I have a much greater interest and much more is at stake for me in dealing with that person uh, and, and what they're saying rather than spending my energy fighting with someone who right. who I, I may realize doesn't have, uh, who, whose motives may not be as pure. And you really, as an artist, you know, where your time and energy is of, of such a value to you, you're much better off in just sort of internally acknowledging what that particular person's motive is and then focusing on, on the people who, even if they're saying stuff that may be really rough to hear, they're, they're, they're sharing to help. Mm-hmm. And I think there are, there's also something where beyond, I mean, certainly when people have motives that are, more self-aggrandizing or more... I mean, certainly I've been part of playwright groups, which I have, tend not to be as much of a part of as I am other groups, but where the feedback sessions are essentially people's opportunity to show off yeah. about whatever they want to show off. Yeah. And, and there's certainly that. But I think that, for me, it's less about... And I think it is less about whether or not someone's feedback is fundamentally more or less valuable as somebody else's as much as the level at which you trust their feedback mm-hmm. um, and for instance I'll take writing as an example but it applies elsewhere that everyone is expert on their own experience of something yes that you know there that if someone who I don't necessarily think has a very sophisticated concept of dramaturgy tells me this is the third time I've heard this piece and I have never understood why he leaves the room at that moment. That is just straight up valid. That's valid. I can decide that to fix that would be would pull strings out of elsewhere. But the fact of the matter is there is this person who does not understand that and that is their experience of it. That said, there are other people who I know who have such a sophisticated sense of dramaturgy that somebody's talking about I never understood that that thing uh, why he leaves the room at the end of scene seven and they'll say take a look at 
whether you use the word don't or do not at the end of scene four, and that might fix that problem. Because you know what? There are times that that's, you know, where you have somebody who understands so clearly how things fit together. That person who understands that sort of thing, when they give that kind of note, I take it very seriously. Um, and when... But some, but there are other people who, if they were to try to give me notes on how to rewrite a specific line, I, I, I would be much less likely to be interested in their thoughts on that. And yet, I still would be very interested in their experience of the play. And part, I think, of being able to process feedback, once you sort of diagnose the level on which this person is able to give feedback that you find useful, is to direct them towards the kind of feedback that you're going to find useful. You know, if somebody is talking about their experience of it, but it's you, Jen, who I know knows about dramaturgy, I can say, okay, but where in the scene do you think it's a problem? What is the turning point where you think it's a problem? Because I think you would be able to answer that. Whereas other people, if they were saying, you know, this line is a little weird, I might or especially this line is weird and I think you might want to reword it this way my question for them would be alright well what was your experience what what did you experience from the rest of the scene that makes you say that because their solution to the problem may not be the actual problem may not be the actual solution but what they perceived as the problem probably is real right something uh, uh, something that Tim said about the um, about humility um, I, I do find that that's one indicator of um it, it, it just is a, it's a generalization, but somebody who says you should or this needs, it it it, it puts it puts me on guard. Mm-hmm. If they have an absolute fix, it, usually somebody might know the absolute fix, but a, a person who's respectful of your process will tend to speak in terms of um, you should look at mm-hmm. or uh, I I felt this during this. Uh, you know, during this moment, or or asking questions rather than rather than pointing out solutions, and and their and their suggestions of solutions will sound like suggestions instead of prescriptions. Mm-hmm. Like you might want to try, or if you know if you're working on that, why don't you work on this it, instead of saying you need to, you have to. And and that just tends to be a, a matter of like someone being respectful of what you're doing. That person knows the opposite side of what <laughs> of what's happening. They know how to command respect. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's something it goes actually back to something you were saying before, Tim, about, you know, good feedback and, and bad and you know, somebody giving negative feedback to to something or criticizing something. That I think valuable feedback ought to come judgment-free. And I think that actually we're talking about today how to take feedback. I think part of it is that to erase whatever judgment you're getting from somebody. I mean, if they say, this is lousy because... Pretend they didn't say this is lousy because. They, they shouldn't have said that. Or this is great because. Right. You know, because ultimately, again, the person who is creating the work, unless we're in a situation where the actor is in a show and is being directed and there's a certain obligation to follow the direction that the director is doing. But if this is something that you are working on as scene study in a class or, uh, or, or a play that you are writing for yourself that no one has agreed to produce yet and therefore it's strictly for you, the arbiter ultimately of whether or not something is 
I guess not whether something is effective, but what the effect is that the work is going for is the person who's creating it. So there is no... So whether someone likes something or not is kind of beside the point, which is why when you're talking about feedback, you want to be able to talk about what my experience of it is. I mean, you could say, this is my experience and I didn't like it, but if you say, this is my experience and I didn't like it, I say, well, that's interesting, but that, that's exactly what I was going for. Um, actually, I think probably my the best review of anything I ever did, my favorite review of anything I ever did as a director was a lousy review. And it actually was of, uh, we've talked about this production before, Romeo and Juliet that we did where Jenny was playing Romeo. It was two women as Romeo and Juliet. The entire point of it was that what if we do this but do not let it affect the story? Can it belong, if people don't freak out about the fact that it's two girls, can the story be told where it's two women and not change anything? And the review was, this production was a total disaster, a total mess. It was about two women as Romeo and Juliet. The only reason you do that is to show why the fact that they were gay is what broke them up. But that was the last thing that was that was true in this. It would have been great if it were a production about, and went down the list of the things that they saw, which might as well have been the speech that I gave the first day of rehearsal about what we wanted the production to be. And that's one of the things that, I mean, it's sort of how to take feedback from reviewers. I think ultimately people are going to have their opinions, good, bad, otherwise, like, didn't like, it is what it is. But ultimately, what you can tell from a review is whether or not what you were going for came across. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would argue that certainly everybody wants what they're doing to, to be embraced in some way or another. But ultimately, I don't think most people, at least most people who have successful productions, go into their first production saying, what I want to do is, is do something good. <laughs> I want to achieve something. And you, right. can, you can get a review that says you achieved this thing and the reviewer didn't like it. Critic, critics are, are, are the toughest in, in terms of people from whom you'll receive feedback. <laughs> uh, if, if only because it's, it's de facto solicited feedback mm-hmm. in which the only context for the discussion is your performance and their reaction to it. There, there is no discussion in most cases to have with the critic in which to defend. Your, your only defense is the performance in which you offer it. And, and, and I don't mean to use the word defense, but that that's um, the only argument you have uh, is, is your performance. And, and that makes the, the, the performer-critic relationship just really... Um, uh, there's just something really precious about that in, in a very volatile, a very volatile way. Um, I, I know actors who don't read criticism at all. Um, I, I don't mind reading it simply because it, it doesn't affect me. To me, it's just good reading one way or the other. It's not really <laughs> going to affect anything that I've I've done. Um, although there's a great truism to an actor friend of mine who does not read anything, um, even if. Uh, her performances, most of which have been uh, raves, uh, um, uh, e- even if the review is complimentary, because she says, you know, if it's good, it's never good enough. Hmm. And if it's bad, it's devastating for me. Hmm. And I-, I think that's something in terms of, I think there's a lesson there in terms of that unsolicited feedback, mm-hmm. um, in in terms of, of how you process that and when you process that, that the... The, the critic is the most volatile of, of the people from whom you may receive feedback because technically you're not asking them for feedback. 
but you are by simply mounting a production in which you've invited them to come see it. And so it's certainly by picking up the times. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, the, the thing is, critics are also tough in that. Again, to get back to this this discussion of contextualizing what it is you're working on, you know, I, I was reading uh, an issue of American Theater that had an uh, 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 interview with, with Stanley Kaufman and, and Robert Brustein and you know, these giants of, of American theater and criticism. And I realized that the, these are brilliant men whose context for seeing plays are so different. They've seen so many works that what they're looking at is this landscape of American theater and how any one particular play fits within that landscape, what, what this one particular play says in context of the landscape. Is it furthering American theater? Is it attracting from? Is it enhancing? <laughs> and, you know, as an individual artist, I, I simply don't have that kind of scope. You know, I, I'm not Chekhov. I'm not looking for new forms. And I, I'm not aware enough to break new forms or, or be aware of what they are and enhance them or, or, or rewrite them. You know, you, you just try to do. I mean, maybe I'm absolving myself of, of responsibility, but but as an artist, you're just trying to do the best, purest, most honest work you can about things that are of interest to you. And I, I think that maybe why the, the 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 critic relationship with an artist is 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 so volatile, just because you may be dealing with this entirely different context, and the only defense you have is or offense is your performance and if the review or the you know the the subsequent criticism doesn't address that you know you, you ha- there's no rebuttal for you well that's yeah I, I actually just read a review this morning for the new uh, waiting for godot that's on broadway or Gatto, as they say it in this production, apparently. Um, that, uh, but, but, but the review said, and for those of us who remember the original production in 1956, it was difficult to... I mean, that's a pretty narrow window of people who are going to be seeing this production that also saw <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I sort of felt like I'm not sure this review is this useful to me. But, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, not having that context. And, and, and I mean, and that's just hard. And not to belabor this point, but if, if you're trying to write a play or act in a play where you have specific goals that are important to you and you invite someone who is obviously very brilliant and informed on theater and their evaluation is not whether you succeeded at the things you're working on, but whether the result of that is that you have moved, you know, <laughs> American theater in a, in a positive and forward direction. That You know, that's a... <laughs> I mean that that that's a, a tide of, of of chance that is just bigger than any one individual boat. I think you know. And <laughs> um, what about I, I will just throw this out as a concept, and I'm interested what you guys think about it. About the difference between feedback you're getting about the artistic viability of something you're working on and the commercial viability of something you're working on. Is there a difference between about when you do and do want the different kinds and how you value them? Um, yes. I, I, especially when I'm asking for, uh, right before I'm submitting something, the commercial viability is important. And not just a, uh, commercial in the sense of production viability. Um, if someone says, you know, this is a 10-minute play, it's got 
20 characters in it, that's too many. They're not going to produce a 10-minute play with 20 characters in it. Like, that's an important piece of advice. It may not, it, artistically, I may not be able to achieve it without 20. But if I want somebody to mount it, then I have to take that into consideration. And sometimes it's best to get that advice at the beginning. It's good to have pe people who give you feedback who can kind of balance that at the at the stage of development that you are in. Like if you're just starting out, you're just kind of like working something out, the, the commercial viability isn't so important. But if if they can see you, that, that this, this piece, you're going to want to try to have it produced someday, which is usually what you want, they might kind of steer you or give you a piece of advice, like something to keep in mind as you're working this out. This, this might give you a difficulty to have, you know, 17 babies in your play or something. <laughs> Nobody's going to want to do a play with 17 babies unless you can figure it out how to do it mechanically or something. Um, so... It is important to separate... It's the it. robot baby. It's the robot baby. <laughs> what, I mean, and I find, you know, this is something as... Because I have some production experience, as a writer, I tend to already keep that stuff in mind as I'm writing, knowing what's possible and what's not possible. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, early on tends to not be... I'm not really interested in commercial... Like, you know, no one's going to do a play about, you know, fishing. Well... That's not going to help me write this play about how much I love fishing. So let's table that for now. <laughs> but that being said, I mean th that's a really good point in, in terms of where somebody is in in, in their work, particularly. But I, f I feel at some point this may be uh, further down the line in, in terms of development. But there's there's a very subtle but crucial overlap, I think, between artistic viability and commercial viability. Because I think one of the things you need to do in terms of commercial viability is identify who your audience is, who are the people are going to be who are going to watch that film or put their butt in that theater and, and, and watch that. And if you're if you can't identify an audience, you know, if there may not be a commercial viability for that particular piece of work, you may need to go back and look at whether it actually has any artistic viability. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm of the belief that uh, you know, any work of value has some commercial viability. It's just a question of its expansiveness of you know how many of, of, of how many demographics you can attract to that particular piece of work. So I, I think it's it, it's clear it, it's it's crucial. I think to to understand the the difference between the artistic viability and the commercial viability. I'll, I'll concede that, but I think it's also crucial to understand that at some point. They have to overlap, and that they need to inform on each other. You know, because I, I really truly believe that if you have a really great piece of work that's really just a great piece of art, a lot of people will come see that. I, I have faith in, in theaters out there and people out there that th they'll find really great art. Yeah, I think the idea of is something that that I said earlier, and I I think there was general agreement on is the fact that generally the person who is doing the creating is the person who judges what you know the value and the goals of something but there is a degree to which if you're talking about the commercial viability of something that that is a place where there are other concerns um you know that that can come into play and i think can be useful feedback to hear um and i i ultimately think it 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 come it's up to the person who's doing 
who's creating the work to decide the point at which they want to welcome that into the discussion. Um, but I think it's, it's an important thing to frame the context of it. For instance, and this actually would be one of the things I would... Um, I mean, because certainly, Tim, what you were talking about, about the commercial viability of, of things in terms of subject matter, yes, a well-done piece of work is worthy of coming and seeing no matter what the subject matter is. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, but there are concerns, technical concerns, like the one, I know, Jen, you have a play that you are working on that's a short play, a terrific play, but it requires a second-story window. In fact, two of your plays that you work on that require second-story windows, which are just, I, I mean... that out. Yeah. <laughs> but you worked that out in part because of the feedback you got about, realistically, it's a terrific piece of writing, but how many theaters that are going to be looking to do a 40-minute long play are going to have the means to do that? Most... Um, uh, you know, festivals that, that do that need to have a very quick turnaround and, 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 and can't have that sort of complicated, um, uh, you know, set consideration. So that is something to think about. But also I know we had somebody in, in our workshop group the other week who was bringing in um, uh, a, a side for a callback that they were working on. And there was a section where they sort of got kind of misty-eyed and looked off in the distance and kind of did it to themselves and afterwards, they said, I'm having trouble with that section because when we brought it in, um, when I was working on it the first time, during the first callback with the director, the director said that that should be internalized into himself, and I kind of can't figure it out. And some people started giving feedback about why it shouldn't be to themselves. But then, you know, as we talked about it, it was like, well, but... That doesn't from, change the fact that... Yeah, from the commercial, since the reason that they are bringing this in is to try to have a more successful second audition, and they have opened it up to, I am trying to have a commercial success with this audition, then pre- then we ought to take into consideration that the director who is making the decision has already said this should be an internalized moment, and the feedback that is helpful is not to tell them that the director is wrong, right. <laughs> but because right. they have set for themselves the goal to make the business decision of try to get this part to help them figure out how to make that work internalized. Right. What do you do if someone is giving you feedback, whether you've asked for it or not, and is there a difference in whether you've asked for it or not, and you disagree with it? Huh. I say thank you and move on. I try to do that. It's, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's like Tim said about wasting your energy. Um, because cert- sometimes somebody can give you good feedback one moment and bad feedback the next. So it's no point in, in, in devaluing them in any way. Mm-hmm. There's no point in burning a bridge or whatever to say, mm-hmm. you don't know what you're talking about. Stop talking to me. Um, it's best to be polite and trying to move on. However you do that, if it's thank you and whatever, like whatever, whatever way you can move them away from giving you feedback anymore in the conversation. I think I be, I think that's the best way to handle it. And if they are, you know, not picking up on the, on the social cue, eventually there comes a point where you have to say find a way to say thank you that I'm not really looking for that right now or something like that. But it's not worth it to fight. I mean, unless Unless you're being in a, in a writer in a class or something where you're being graded <laughs> on your ability to defend your writing, 
or you're, you know, or you're acting unless that's part of the a curriculum in some way. Which I will say. If you're in a program that has that as part of curriculum, <laughs> run. <laughs> it's not, it's, I mean, certainly you don't, you want to be able to defend yourself in an appropriate scenario. You have to be able to stand up for what is important to you. But there's not, there's some people where it's not worth standing up to those people. Like there's nothing that they can provide you in the in the course of that argument that will be useful to you. So Well I why? think actually what you just said something you said which I think is really important is to know what's important to you. And I think part of it is that if there is any defending to be done, it's to defend what is important to you. Mm-hmm. Um, that again, I think people are experts on their own experience of something. If they're, that if someone says, I didn't get this from this moment, I've certainly been in groups of, well, it's in there, it's in there, look at this lot. Well, I don't know what to tell you. It may be in there, but it may not be in there at the right place. It may not be in there specifically enough. It may, you know, there's a lot of things to hear the fact that this person didn't understand something that you wanted them to understand. Something that I find useful to do in those situations in terms of like redirecting people towards something that's useful is I don't think, again, it's helpful to say, this is what it was. But I do think it can be a very valid and value valuable thing to say, well, my intention here was this. Not saying this is what it is, but this was my intention here. Are the, What made it unclear? What could make it more clear? What, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that way, you are defending what's important to you. You're not saying, no, I wrote it right. And you do... And you're defining what feedback you're interested in. Yeah. And, and you're defending again what's important. This is what I want this scene to be about. Or if, the effect I want to yeah, achieve. Or the effect you want to achieve or, or whatever it is. And, and then it is sometimes difficult, but then to be open to hearing why people think it did or did not get that effect. But certainly to say this was my intention is a much more productive and candidly a much more artistically honest thing to say than no, you are wrong. <laughs> and that sounds silly, but it happens all the time. Well, I, and I think what that gets to is that you know, I, when you're absorbing feedback, the, the, the idea is that you're going to utilize that feedback and put that into action. The mm-hmm. plays ultimately right. are to be lived through and acted and then watched and then films are to be lived through and acted and recorded and then watched. And so at some point, you know, when you're absorbing that feedback, you have to evaluate whether to use that or not, and then, and then put that back into your work. So, at a certain point, I, I feel like, you know, you need to evaluate whether you're going to accept that feedback or not, or how you're going to utilize that feedback. Because at some point, it needs to go into your work. And again, the time and energy thing. If I'm arguing a point with someone over and over and over again, you know, I, I would much rather just take that feedback in, internalize it, see if it's useful, and then provide it to my work. And then perhaps the next time they see that, you know, I will have addressed what what their concern is. If it's a valid concern, and I've decided something I needed to work on, or if it's something that is not a valid criticism, I've decided, or is not something of, of use to me, I simply move about with my work. That at some point you have to get back to the work, and. So, you know, at, at, at a certain point, I always try to figure out why I'm, if I am in a, a debate or, or a, a discussion <laughs> over, over a point of contention, I, I always try to check myself about why am I having this fight right now? Am I having this fight to 
to really hear what the person is saying and to absorb this so it's useful to me so I can I can utilize it in my work or am I just now in, in, in an argument with somebody and would, would my time be better served hmm. you know, working on the thing I'm working for rather than defending it. And it also is something just to realize if you've taken the time to... Yes, you have absolutely, when you are working on a scene, when you're working on a play, when you've written something, you've taken a lot of time to do this thing that you care about. But when you've asked someone for to take their time to view it and give their feedback on it for no other reason than to help you, they're giving their time too. Mm-hmm. And they're doing it in theory to help you. Uh, there are some cases where they're actually out to get you. That's very rare. <laughs> there are cases that are more that that are more common than that, where it's they want to help you but don't know how. But I think it's a healthy thing to give those people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, they're they're there to help you, and that's and and and, and certainly I have been in situations in writers groups and stuff again where basically someone gives a piece of feedback and the playwright is basically yes, well that's the reason that's wrong. Next, and I just I. It happens relatively rarely, but it happens. And it's just that idea of if you are, in fact, if you want to be a lone wolf writer or a lone wolf actor who's not interested in people's feedback, frankly, I know people who step off stage after a show and like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know what anyone thinks. I'm more, you know, okay, that's cool. But if you're going to open yourself to feedback and open your, you know, you you got to be respectful of the fact that other people are taking the time to do it. Mm-hmm. That said, and it goes back to something you were saying before, Jen, feedback, and I think this actually can be a helpful thing to realize, feedback is not marching orders. Just because somebody tells you that this is what they think would help the play does not mean that that is what has to happen. You are ultimately the one who, if you're writing a play, are going to go back to the computer and decide whether to put it in or not. Um, If it's an artistic director of a theater who is producing your play, who says you need to make this change in order for us to produce it, well, that's a place where you might have to pull up and have a fight with them because, you know what, they actually kind of do have a say about that. But if this is a friend or a colleague or someone in your writer's group who's read your play um, and, and, has a, and has a comment on it, it's something for you to take into consideration. That said, all writing and directing and, and acting can be kind of a sensitive and vulnerable thing. Um, you know, to put your work out there for people to comment on and judge. How do you, or and have there been cases where you feel like you've not been as success, successful as you want to, but how do you prov- keep yourself from being beholden to the feedback that you're getting and, and to put it in a useful perspective in order to use the feedback as exactly that, feedback, data, information with which you should approach your next draft instead of a list of tasks you have during your next draft or your next rehearsal? Well, well, for me, it usually comes from a point where if, especially, especially if what the person says excites me about my, something that strikes a nerve that, oh, like that, or inspires me, then that makes me want to write. That makes me want to look at those things in, in, in the play the next time through. If someone says something and it and it just kind of falls flat or it seems antithetical to what I'm trying to do, I'm not going to be very motivated to 
rewrite that section. If I'm like, oh man, I gotta rewrite the scene, and you know, take out all the references to you know the ball game. But I love the ball game. Like it's just it's something that I'm if 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 what they're saying takes me takes me away from what I'm trying what I'm trying to say what I want to do then I'm I'm I'm, not, I'm gonna put it aside in, in any case even if everybody says it it's just not gonna make me want to write that so it's it just tends to be if if uh, if what people uh, says about the, the feedback that they give makes me want to get back to the computer and and, and have another go then like that's what I tend to I mean it's just the in fact, whether I should take that advice that I balk at or not, that's that's what happens. We, we've talked about this prior, but what, what helps me is is as as an artist taking ownership of what it is I'm trying to do, whether I, I'm writing or I'm I'm acting. Taking ownership of what I'm trying to do, and and uh, being clear about what those objectives are, and so when I'm asking for feedback. Sharing what those objectives are, and then uh, receiving feedback in the context of that of people either addressing things I'm specifically trying to work on, or alerting me to things, acknowledging things I've said I'm not working on, but I may really want to take a look at. Um, in contrast to that, and this this may be a, a semantic li- linguistic thing, but the, the word kit, the term you used was marching orders, and I was going to say this earlier, but uh, the the one red flag for me in terms of receiving feedback and happens more often than, than I'm ever comfortable with is somebody saying, I want more this. I want to see this. I want to hear this. Um, and you do it. Yeah. Well, yeah, with, 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 all, with all due respect, then, then yeah. you need to write that story or work on that play or act in the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, then you'll uh, have more. Yeah, yeah, because to me that's such a a, a a red flag because that ownership that we've talked about works both ways. Is that as the artist you need to stand up and say, I'm taking ownership of this aspect. These are the things I am trying to work on. This is my journey. I am now asking you to help me on my journey with this. And then the, the, the other road of that, the, the person who's receiving your request... Or, or is, is you're asking to share in what you're working on is then to honor that and 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 offer to the best of their ability ways in which to help you on your journey and it's, so again it may be a sem- semantic linguistic thing but when somebody says I want this yeah. what, what what that says to me is they have their own journey in mind which if my scene or my play or my script has inspired them, Great, but then that's that's their journey. They need to go on, and, and I would I would rather they they acknowledge that, and, and you know maybe we'll have two journeys now. <laughs> it's just separate but equal. It, it yeah. really, I mean, I actually I, I totally agree with you mm-hmm. I, in, I, in terms of that particular linguistic tick that I think a lot of people have about talking about work. Although I actually think that it is actually rooted in trying to give people. Space. I think it's rooted in saying this was my experience. I, I mean, I, I think that's where where it came from. Is saying this is just me, but I wanted to see this, and um, but you know, which but it still but doesn't change the fact that, that way, 
this is just yeah. me. It would be better. Well, it's it's funny that you say that because when somebody says that, it, they're usually very inspired by something. Yeah. So you have to sort of gauge whether it is just a semantic thing that annoys me, but they're actually really onto something. You know, they're actually really interested in my work, or have I just inspired them? Regarding their own work. Well, it really is something that, that I think is worthy and we absolutely should do of having a whole separate episode about giving feedback. Yes. Because there really is, I, I think, a fundamental difference in terms of basic respect and and, and productivity of feedback between, um, I really wanted to see more of the scenes with the father. And I was so interested in what happened in the scenes we saw with the father and the son I was left with these three questions that I would have been interested in knowing the answer to. Those are exactly the same comment. One of them is just, I feel like, much more appropriate and helpful and respectful of the writer um, than the other. And I think it's a real skill to be able to give good feedback. Yeah. Yeah. I think something related to all of that, that for myself... And it's something that I have gotten better at over time in terms of hearing feedback. Because I used to, especially about um, plays that I've, I've written, I used to get very anxious about what people would say about it. And, and, I mean, and still, it matters to me a lot what people say. Um, but I don't get as anxious about the idea of bringing in a scene to a writer's group as, as I used to. But I, I think part of that has to do with that... I think I tend to try to let the topic of the conversation for me be the conversation rather than the piece. That the same way what you were saying, Jen, before about things inspiring you. That I know I was writing this fall and I need to finish it now. Um, uh, but this piece called Veep about somebody, about a presidential campaign, and it was during the presidential campaign. And I know for myself, listening to podcasts and the radio and CNN and having discussions with people about the McCain-Obama race inspired things in me that I wanted to change or add to this play that I was writing. But then when I would also bring scenes into um, uh, the workshop group, I actually found that that discussion that we were having about the play actually served the same thing as my discussion about the actual presidential campaign, which was that I was finding myself interested in what people were interested about it, interested in what confused people about it. I was interested in sort of their process of their having their relationship to it, and less than um, uh, me sitting there listening for cues about what I'm supposed to do in the next draft... I just got really into the conversation and was having all sorts of ideas of stuff that I wanted to do in the next draft because of this exciting conversation I was having about a political play. I mean, there literally were times that I kind of forgot that we were talking about this play that I wrote. It was almost like we were talking about a play that we'd all just gone to see. Yeah. And then, lucky me, the same way that I... Unlike when I go to see a play and think, my God, it would have been so much better if in this scene they had done this. I can actually go home and do it. Yeah. Um, and that's something that just sort of evolved for me, having brought, you know, having written 30 plays and bringing them into different playwriting groups. And I'm not sure if it's something someone can consciously decide to do, but I would encourage anybody who's interested in, 
I mean, certainly as a writer, and I think it probably extends into other work too, to try as much as possible to enjoy and embrace the conversation for the sake of the conversation more than as some sort of prescriptive exercise for this piece that you're writing. Or a grade. <laughs> or, yeah, or, yeah, or a grade. Um, and I think ultimately what, what's very helpful is if you can allow yourself to do that automatically, it's great, but if not, to actually take the time to, before you put pen to paper, I actually think this is really useful, before you put pen to paper on your next draft, write out for yourself, or at least clearly articulate for yourself, what your goals are for the draft. And if someone has said you need to clarify this thing, and you've listened to it, and you think it makes sense, and you put it on your list of goals for this thing, it's your goal now. Yeah. It really helps to get that other person out of your head, because it's hard if you're sitting at a computer and trying to think that thing Tim said about my draft, what is Tim going to think about this rewrite? You can't be thinking about what Tim's going to think about the rewrite. What you need to do is decide, what do you think about what Tim had to say about it? What does it make you want to do with your next draft? And then when you're at the computer, you do that thing you want to do with the next draft. What do you guys, just a specific question, what do you guys think about allowing someone to, or asking someone to, give you a solution to a problem as far as part of feedback? I think I do do that, but in very rare circumstances, with very trusted colleagues who I've collaborated with extensively, who understand my work, my style of work, who understand my goals and, and what interests me, and who have the skills to help me. Sometimes I get to a point where I don't know what to do. And in that case, I'm trying to improve myself. I'm trying to, you know, be a better writer. And they might have an idea that just may never occur to me. And to, to solicit that specifically, I can't come up with a way to end this play that satisfies anybody. Can you help me? And, and even in that case, it may not be asking them to write the end of the play or anything that specific, but if they, if they you know, with respect, offer a solution, that may inspire me. Or I may accept the solution. And I think that is part of, uh, that is something that I'm willing to do as part of a learning process for me. And it's, it's really only when I feel like it's a last resort. I, I agree. I, I only ask for it as either a, a writer or particularly as an actor if I feel really, really stuck. And in that particular case, I have every confidence in my ability to accomplish the how I'm just really lost on the what. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and that's when I rely on someone. If, if, I, if there's an issue in a scene that I, I can't seem to get a handle on a particular topic, you know, what I'll turn to a director and ask is not, not how to play the scene, but what in the scene am I missing? You know, what, what, what should I focus on or what specific action or... or aspect do I need to focus on that usually locks me into the how and the thing opens up with a, with writing it's usually a you know I, I've a, f a fair amount of confidence in my ability to create characters it 
my issue seems to be getting to do things, you know, <laughs> um, and and so the issue is usually, you know, what is, I know what the theoretical issue is, and the the the, the, the thematic issue is. I'm just not sure of the the how to of of of, of the how, of what they're accomplishing or what the physical task is they're doing or the setting. Can someone help me with that? And it's usually when it's a very, very specific question around what seems at the moment to be an insurmountable problem. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think my two cents on this is I, I tend to think it's a good rule for feedback. And again, I know that there's um, I belong to a number of groups that have this specific rule. For instance, for writing, is you don't tell the playwright how to rewrite their play. And I think generally. That's a good, that's a good rule of, of thumb. If an actor is an actor, a writer is a writer, and you're not the director, and it's your job to, to help bring him in, um, you shouldn't give them solutions. You should point out problems. You should point out things they might want to explore, etc., etc., etc. That said, if you are a writer and you have people discussing and giving feedback to your play, I just think as a matter of uh, ethics. Anything anyone gives you as part of that discussion is yours, um, and hopefully and usually it will inspire something in you. But there are times where if somebody says, "You know what? If there was some line in there like, then reel something off," and you go, "You know what? That line, w- yeah, I'm gonna. It, it's all right for you to take that line and put it in." Um, and I do think that there are times where writers will be like, but this all has to be my words, and this all has to... So I can't... That They gave me the perfect line. Now I must find a slightly imperfect one, but that came from me. But A, hopefully, they suggested that line because you created such specific world and such a specific characters that they knew what these characters would say or want to do about it. So ultimately it did come from you. And B, ultimately you're the arbiter of the world. Yeah. So for you to decide, yes, that is something that happens in this world, it becomes yours. And so I think it's rare. I think it's best if feedback not be discussed in terms of solutions to problems, unless someone really is stuck, in which case, yeah, so it, be, it becomes appropriate uh, to do that. But also, as a writer to not be afraid to take good ideas that people have that are inspired by the work you've already done. I actually think a good example of that is as a, and I'm not a writer, but being in workshop and seeing writers bring in work, oftentimes a writer has a question about the title of the play. Um, I know, uh, you know, a few writers have come into the group and have, have written this terrific play or whatever, but are really struggling with, with what to call it or they don't want to be too on the nose or whatever. And just hearing other people's ideas um, you know, it does either inspire you or it might be the perfect title for that. And I don't think it's, it's bad to, to take that necessarily. Yeah. I think, and I think we're, uh, at about a time to, to wrap up. And one thing that I will say that I, I was sort of interested listening to the discussion is that sometimes we were talking about acting, sometimes we were talking about writing, sometimes we were talking about directing, But there actually really is something about the process of letting people into your work that I don't think there was virtually anything that was said about hearing feedback about your writing that doesn't apply to acting or acting that doesn't apply to writing or or acting that doesn't apply to directing. Um, So uh, for Jen and... 
Kim and Jenny and myself, uh, thank you so much for joining us. If you have not yet uh, uh, subscribed, please go to iTunes and do so. If you have subscribed and you uh, like what you're hearing, please tell your friends about it. And also please go to iTunes and write us a review and give us stars. Uh, and uh, if you would like to help Cry Havoc, uh, we are currently uh, trying to get a space of our own. And for just $38, you can uh, support one year of uh, Cry Havoc space. Just go to www.cryhavoccompany.org. And uh, we will be back soon in two weeks with uh, more thoughts on uh, the craft of acting, writing, and directing with us and other members of the company. Uh, And until then, take care of yourself, and we'll talk to you soon. You can learn more about the Cry Havoc Company at cryhavoccompany.org. Questions or comments can be sent to podcasts at cryhavoccompany.org. All music from this show came from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe.